0: Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a fan of this podcast, you already know the 50-year mission is definitive oral history of Star Trek, and Secrets of the Force will tell you everything you want to know about the history of Star Wars, but what you probably don't know is Ed Gross and I have a new book coming out this July, They Shouldn't Have Killed This Dog, The Complete Uncensored, Ass-Kicking Oral History of John Wick, Gun Fu, and the New Age of Action, coming from St. Martin's in hardcover, digital, and audio. You can order it today.
1: fiendishly gifted. 1981, Sam Raimi Opus, The Evil
0: Dead. Oh, yes, yes, fine choice. Sam
1: Raimi invented entirely new ways to get shots that should not have been possible with the amount of money that he did not have.
0: Charade, directed by Stanley Donnan. It's a textbook screenplay. It's just effortless and there's not a wrong note in this movie can't say enough great things about it we'll be back next friday with an all new episode of the 430 movie wherever you listen to podcasts join us now for the 430 movie the 430 movie podcast is available weekly wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free electric now app download it today Best Movies Never Made, as featured in Entertainment Weekly, is available wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Dockerman, and we are the Inglorious Experts. And today we are paying tribute to the late, great Nichelle Nichols, who uh, passed away uh, when we recorded this uh, uh, last night.
4: This is Nichelle Nichols. I was very proud to play the role of Chief Communications Officer Uhura on the Starship Enterprise in Gene Roddenberry's legendary Star Trek. For all of us who were involved in it from the beginning, Star Trek was a marvelous journey into a world of the future, of peaceful exploration and self-discovery. As simple as this thesis might seem, today, it was groundbreaking in
0: 1966. Um, of course, uh... I'm not going to say she played Neoda Uhura because that wasn't canon and not then canon. somehow it slipped into canon <laughs> despite never really being canon. Right. So uh I'm not exactly sure how that all came about. She was Ohura. So um not Ohoru as Orson Welles called been... her That's... um and Sam Peoples uh but uh Uhura. So anyway, we're very lucky we got two great guests with us today. Um uh, you, you, David Goodman is a returning champion to the podcast. Uh, he is a decade um, producer on the Orville and, of course, uh, a showrunner family guy. But he was lucky enough to work with uh, Nichelle twice, actually, once uh, at, on Futurama. But before that, with his delightful uh, motion uh, TV motion picture, Captain Zoom, where she played the queen of the galaxy. So we're, we're going to talk about that. Also, we want to congratulate David on the success of his new Paramount Plus movie, The Honor Society, which is getting rave reviews. You can watch it on Paramount Plus. And with the Star Trek the Motion Picture Director's Edition leaving at the, end of the, uh, at the end of the month, now you have something new to watch. Now you have so, something new to think about. Welcome, David. And also joining us for the first time, first-time caller, first-time guest. I'm thrilled. It's a good friend of the uh, the podcast. And uh, we are delighted to welcome, he not only was a producer on such movies as uh, Menace to Society and Tales from the Hood, he's a writer, he's a director, he is a a, a, a movie uh, lover, He um, he is none other than the great Darren Scott. And Darren also was fortunate enough to work with Nichelle on his film, originally titled Tales from the Crib, which was later retitled American Nightmare, because that's what studio executives do. Darren Scott, welcome
3: glad to be here very glad to be here.
0: yeah no no thank you guys and and we really want there are going to be a lot of memorials for Nichelle over the next couple of weeks months it's already starting uh but boy what an unbelievable woman what an incredible life that she had 89 years old not only the star of Captain Zoom but uh you know when she began her career uh, as a singer and a dancer for Duke Ellington and Lionel Hampton. She went on to do uh, plays and television. My wife saw her at Panera a couple years ago, and she said, I've never seen someone look so classy. She said, to go out and get a sandwich, of Panera, and a soup, she just looks so dolled up and just beautiful and elegant. So, I mean... Dare we we say luminous? Luminous. (laughs) And indeed, she was quite luminous, especially... For those of a certain age who grew up with uh, Dichelle on their televisions, we remember her all too well, right up there with Yvonne Craig as Batgirl. I mean, Uhura was a spectacular. And in fact, uh, you know, reading both in her own biography and Jean said even the racists loved her. She was so beautiful. So um, it was a really remarkable, uh, a remarkable story. She, of course, inspired Whoopi Goldberg, uh, seeing her on her TV, which led to her playing Guinan, but was very active in the space program, uh, recruiting people like Sally Ride and many uh, minority candidates. Um, interestingly enough, she was recruited for the space program. Do you know this, Darren, in 1975, but none other than... By uh, Jessica Von Puttermaker? No. Jessica yes, Van oh, Puttermaker. Yes, was, Von Puttermaker. Jessica yes, Von Puttermaker. Yes, Jessica Von Putkamer. but uh, who I know, of course, is Jesse Von Puttermaker, the man behind the popcorn. Um, but, uh, it, it, and I, I, think in a way she even inspired, uh, the, this wonderful character, uh, played by Chris Marshall on for all mankind. And of course she really did inspire the NASA astronaut Mae Jemison, um, right. uh, to, uh, join NASA and go out into space and just a remarkable, remarkable legacy that this woman has. Um, and of course, uh you know, like I said, you two two gentlemen both uh, worked with her. What can you tell me about your experiences uh, working with Nichelle? And just maybe uh, memories and, and her, her legacy in your, your mind. Why don't we start with uh, Dar- uh, Darren?
3: Okay, well, uh, as far as her legacy, I mean, she's an icon. And I was a small child watching Star Trek uh, in the 60s when she was on. And she just had the coolest part that we'd ever seen of a black woman have on television at that time, at least as far as I was concerned from, from a a nerd standpoint, uh, even then I had started that. And uh, over the years, I just watched, watched uh, her in the seventies. She did some uh, cool movies that are well-known like Chuck Turner. Chuck
0: Turner. Yeah.
3: And uh, then coming back and in the eighties, and uh she just had such an air of grace about her uh when she returned as a, a you know slightly older woman in the uh in star Trek and uh the original series films that followed she just she just had a majestic nature about her now, I had an interesting experience uh with Michelle because I worked with her a couple of years after she had had a stroke and uh The stroke, basically, we found out when she arrived on set, had wiped out her short-term memory. Mm. So she could regale you with great tales of the original series and the first interracial kiss and all of that. You know, she was sharpest attack on on that. But basically, any kind of instruction that you gave her lasted about 10 to 15 seconds before... uh, it would be wiped out. Right. And uh, the thing I found about working with her on this thing, um, she worked with Danny Trejo in a connecting device of a horror anthology. Uh, that's Tales from the Crib, AKA American Nightmares. And so she was this magical figure who each year brings Danny a set of objects, and each object triggers a story. Hmm and so uh when she arrived on set because frankly her representation had not uh told us about her limitations uh we quickly had to work out well how are we going to make this work you know we did cards uh so that she could read uh, the dialogue she had and you know everything it was like a race actually because I would go up to her and I'd say, okay, Michelle, what you're going to do is you're going to take this object and you're going to put it in the middle of the table and you're going to say that line. Uh And I would head back to the monitor. And on the way back to the monitor, she would call out, Mr. Director, what are we doing? Uh So that was tough. But the thing that uh, impressed me so much about her, I worked with her for two days, was her utter bravery because she was as sweet as any actor that i've worked with as cooperative she just kept going on it you know she never got frustrated or uh you know angry at me or any any of the rest of the crew about the situation and we just plugged through it right. you know and uh i started just running the camera all the time and then I'd say, okay, take this object, do that, and say that, and step back, go, you know, and she would get it done before uh, the memory of my instructions had uh, gone away from her. And, you know, uh, as actors get older, different limitations come on them, and it was amazing to me how long she worked with that limitation Mm. because she had worked a couple of years, and two or three years after that, uh, she continued working before, uh, before she finally stopped. So I was really, uh, impressed with her. And as I said, she was just as nice a person as you could ever want to work with. And the wonderful thing is when you weren't doing something that was immediate and you just said, Hey, what about this? Or when this happened or, you know, uh, when Martha Lu- Martin Luther King uh contacted you to to say that your part was so important you had to stay on the show. And she was sharp as a tack on all that and a great storyteller, actually. Uh as 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 we know with these uh problems that uh come about because of strokes or whatever. Uh it was a challenge, but boy, I'll tell you, I'm so glad. That I got to work with her those two days, yeah that, that's yeah. really
1: that's really nice to hear because you know, obviously, the situation uh, couldn't have been uh, pleasant for her uh, to deal with. Uh, you know, even even given the short-term memory loss, uh, yeah. she, she must have known the, the her limitations. Sure and, and for a performer to have to go through that, it's uh, obviously really stressful on someone's psyche to yeah. to not immediately be able to do what one could do uh, you know merely months earlier right so that, it's It's doubly wonderful to hear how she reacted to that and how she was able to push through.
0: But David, you got her in better times long before she was wrestling with dementia and a post-stroke. you you um, you, you specifically uh, wanted her, for uh, your your homage, your first homage to Star Trek. Um, yes, I've done a few, haven't I? <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about uh, that experience?
2: Yeah, well, first, I, I do want to say something, which I think is really important, and, and I'm not sure anybody else is going to say it, that uh, Michelle's talent, uh, you know, I, I'm obviously a big advocate for writers. I was head of the Writers Guild for a couple of years. I don't think the writers did her any favors on the original Star Trek. She had a lot of thankless dialogue, and we remember her because of her performance, because of of what she brought to it. She couldn't right. take your eyes off her, and that's not just her physical look; she was obviously beautiful. She had she had uh, uh, a luminosity. She was she yeah. was a, a genuine, natural performer. She added reality to that part. It was a colorblind part. It was wasn't written as a as a black person, and yet. And that's good and bad, because if she had left the show, that part might have gone to uh, a white person.
0: Well, as it did in uh, Doomsday Machine and some of the other episodes where she wasn't uh, around. So
2: to me, that's the other thing. It's like we remember her in a way because of her talent. You know, those writers really hailing frequencies open. There's not a lot you can do with that.
0: It's a great point that you're making because, of course, you're right. You know, you you talk about the expression more on the stage than on the page. And, you know, Star Trek was a star vehicle. It wasn't like she was being denied these opportunities. It's about Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. But, boy, what she did with that character with with so few lines and so few opportunities. And we'll talk about that because I, I do want to sort of ping pong around you guys to talk about your favorite Nichelle moments both in Star Trek and and the outside of star trek so we'll, we'll get to that yeah. uh, um but well, i, I yeah.
2: so we we wrote uh my partner and i rick cop and i wrote the adventures of captain zoom in outer space it was a it was a pilot for what would have hopefully been a series and we created the character of um sagan we called it. it was named after carl Sagan. the idea of the religious leader of these rebels and we didn't think of Nichelle when we created the part but then the executive producer of the of the show, Brian Levant, he said, "Well, what about Michelle?" And because he knew what a big Star Trek fan it, that seems like a perfect pairing. And she came in, and she 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 we didn't have a she didn't have to audition in the same way, but she read some lines in a meeting we had, and right away, you, again, you see that sort of charm of uh, her charm and and presence. This is in 1995; it's almost 30 years ago, and. Um, uh, just uh and and sense of humor she understood that that this thing which was a comedy she needed to play it straight she never that that can be a real problem with some actors who think they want to try to be funny right and that's the way to kill a joke is to try to be funny michelle understood and she was very funny in this movie playing this kind of religious leader uh who's who's stuck with this uh savior who's doesn't quite measure up. And um uh, so she added gravitas to it and and then of course like like Darren I am asking Star Trek stories every minute I can. And she was hilarious telling me I'm in a chair for two weeks yelling wormhole effect, wormhole effect. <laughs> and she was complaining about that and really so much fun and, and so funny and so um such a sweet, sweet woman. Um and a pro, a total pro. You never, you know, lot, she she wasn't having, this was before her stroke, shows up to set, knows her lines, knows what she's doing, adds, uh, does her work as an actress to create the reality of this very, very unreal character. Yeah. Um, and then a few years later, uh, when I was on Futurama, we reunited the original cast of Star Trek for my episode where no fan has gone
0: before. Sans Jimmy doing?
2: We got the original title was "We Got Everybody But Scotty." (laughs) Uh, The and uh, Michelle again, you know, she understood. Played straight. She she she's coming in. She's kind of poking fun at herself. She's got a line in there about I can do my famous fan dance, and she does. She's totally poking fun at herself for the fan dance that she did in Star Trek V. And the line reading on line is so funny to me. She's just so she's making herself so full of herself and she understood that that was a joke and she's not fine with sort of poking fun at herself and again total pro had fun um uh brought her own ideas but also did what me and uh, david cohen asked her to do and and uh uh that episode is probably it was certainly one of the best things i've ever done and um uh to have her a part of it was just such a treat and and she at least pretended to remember me from Captain Zoom. I I,
4: I, I
0: can't <laughs> yeah, remember,
2: but she was And maybe someone had told her ahead of time. But whatever.
0: right, yeah, it's funny. Every time I saw you, I saw her. I was always like, "I know you," but it was never like. And then I, I mean, the last time I saw her, I think was at. um we were both backstage for an interview at the at this thing at Comic-Con they were doing Comic-Con TV or whatever and we were right. well, and she was so sweet I and mean, she was already in a wheelchair by then right. but she's just oh you know and what what bring what are you promoting what are you doing here and she just yeah. and it was funny i didn't want to like disturb her but she just wanted to like talk and she was it was so sweet i mean and a- every time i met her i just found her absolutely lovely
2: but also very tough like I, she was also told me i remember I think we must have been doing... It was either Zoom or Futurama. I don't remember. We were doing it around the time that William Shatner was writing his Star Trek Memories books. Right. And she told me a story that, that he put in the book to his credit. He's completely open about it. Like, yeah, he wanted to interview me for his book. And I was honest with him. I went in and I told him chapter and verse what he did wrong. And he, he put that in the book, which I give him credit for. Uh, but she she was like... She, she was a tough... She obviously... Was a was a very strong, tough person and and funny about it. Like
1: well, her her famous line from that, which Shatner quotes in his book, is that he's about to shut off the tape recorder after interviewing her, and uh, she says, "Oh, wait a minute! Don't you want to hear why we all hate you?" <laughs> and uh, and Shatner reports that uh, uh, honestly and everything, and uh, it uh, it's a it's a great discussion afterwards. About, yeah, yeah, very much so. about about how they. Uh, they thought that he was, uh, you know, uh, taking their moments. Right. And, uh, this is especially on the on the films, because of course the the TV series was a different thing, because the you know there there was the there was the three leads, and then there were the day players, right? And so uh, it was a it was a different thing. And they, I, I think that a lot of the uh, the secondary characters sort of lumped everything in together in in a big Shatner hate fest.
0: Right. But, uh, but, but she I, had a different um, relationship with him she like, was, yeah, because absolutely. Jimmy was very bitter and wanted nothing to do with Bill. Right, and no George to this day is you know very. She said these things, but she was happy to see him yeah. and didn't hold like didn't have a chip on her shoulder about it. Right, and uh, you know to her to to her credit, and I think she had a twinkle in her eye about it. Be you know, look, I think they genuinely felt that way, um, but. Uh, you know, and you've heard Walter talk about and he's sort of come around a little bit. He's like willing to at least acknowledge and, you know that yeah, building, it was actually the star, star of the show. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So um it's 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 very interesting. But you're right. I mean, just the fact that Michelle Michelle was there meant so much and had um a disproportionate impact on people because you just didn't see you Know we talk a lot about her as uh, you know, one of, uh, after Diane Cannon, one of the first African American actresses who has this major Diane role. Carol. Diane I said Carol. Diane Carroll,
1: you said Diane Cannon.
0: It's okay, they said Diane Cannon, I meant Diane <laughs> Carroll, and um, and but also she was a woman in that position as well. Right. Which at that time, look at Forbidden Planet, yeah, it's all you know, it's a ship full of men, it's all dudes, know, it's all dudes, and until they find uh. You know her on 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 Altair Seven. You know it's like right. you know there's there's no women in that movie. So I mean you know Star Trek was you you know and, and people apply the standards of today to 1966, and what's amazing is the show was incredibly progressive for the era. You no. can't say well it wasn't what we wanted to be today because nothing was right. I mean, but even that it's a, the the Gene would you know look, we all know she wanted her in the show. Um, obviously, he had had her in the lieutenant, um, uh, and she was great in the very famous episode to set it right.
4: He jumped you?
0: No, I
1: jumped him.
4: What else do you expect? Maybe too much. But I thought after a few years, a person would start to grow a little.
1: Everybody's going right to write the subtle
4: scores but us. Is that it?
1: I'm nobody's Uncle Tom, Norma. I'm a man. I've got a right
4: to feel and act like a man. Well, if jumping somebody's all it takes, then why don't you trade that nice uniform in for a funny white sheep with a pointed cap and a burning cross?
1: Norma, I'm not crawling for anybody. Not even for you.
4: Who's asking you to? Look, if I'm willing to leave home and take any kind of work I can get just so we can be married, well, the least you can do is stay out of trouble. You said you wanted to make a career for yourself in the Marine Corps. Well, oh, I can't. Not with Devlin here. Well, are you going to start a feud? Well, feuds are... for the ignorant. We can't afford them. Above all, I want you to live in the world. With me. And be happy. But the world has got to change first. It's got to be made to change. How? With more fist than blood. That's their way. That's all they need stop it. Look, my father, your folks, all of us before, we wouldn't fight back. We took it. But what did it get us? Things are changing. We were born losers and we'll stay that way until we change it ourselves.
0: Right. Which was the episode that basically got that show canceled, unfortunately, because it dealt with. Um, racism and discrimination in, um, the, in the military. Yeah. And there's a very famous episode of that show uh, with Dennis Hopper and, and Nichelle. And, um, um, but, um, interestingly, you know, but it, but, you know, Gene and her were, uh, we're having, you know, we're having a, having an affair. So when it came time to cast Star Trek, he remembered Nichelle very well. And, um, you know, and and she had a very special relationship with Gene. She, she yeah. thought the world of him and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, you, you would hear even in her later years, you know, when she talked about Gene, she was just light up.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. She, she always carried the torch for Gene and defended him at every moment when someone was trying to, you know, negate his contributions or his creativity. Uh, and it was really very sweet. Um, I I think one of the great things about her role on the show was that, yeah, she, she wasn't always just the, just the person saying hailing frequencies open. I mean, in the very first aired episode, the man trap, she has a Mm -hmm. great part in that. And she sort of uh, is one of the first clues to, uh, you know, what this salt creature is. And she has a great scene uh, meeting up this uh, handsome dark stranger in the, in the hallway who speaks swahili to her and she's really great in that scene and, and that is a creepy it's a, scene it's a That's,
0: creepy scene man trap is not a great episode but that is a great scene in yep. a mediocre episode yep. it's really weird and suspenseful and off kilter you know and, I mean, it puts, when... and it puts her and her character as a as a big part of the show absolutely mm-hmm. yeah.
1: and it's a, it's a great moment for her
4: The door to my quarter still rattles when it opens. Would you stop by and see if you can do something about it? Thanks, Bobby. Crewman, do I know you?
2: We're just thinking of someone like me.
1: I'm guessing, of course, but you do look a little lonely.
4: I see. So naturally, when I'm lonely, I think of
1: you. So
4: Nina Una on my
0: way, I'd love to know from you guys what are other highlights of you know Nichelle. You know that when you look back and look at great episodes, a great moments she's had in Star Trek, or you know, in other films like Truck Turner uh, or Captain Zoom. Uh, what, what, you know, what are some of the highlights? For you, because I definitely would have said that scene in Mantrap as well.
3: Well, Definitely for me, uh, my favorite Ahura episode was Evil Ahura. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's
1: right. You are very
4: persistent, Mr. Searle. The game has rules, you're ignoring them. I protest and you come back. You didn't come back.
3: Now you're making sense.
4: I was getting bored. Mm. Of course, this isn't the time.
3: Any time's a good time. <sighs>
4: I'm afraid I changed my mind again.
3: You take a lot of chances, Lieutenant.
4: So do you, mister. So do you. Take over for me.
3: That was just she was so hot in that
4: episode.
3: <laughs> as, a young, as a young man uh watching uh you know network television uh black in america there were basically two two women uh Michelle Nichols and uh Gail Foster on mm. uh, Mannix right basically they carried the whole tor- tor- torch for the 60s uh mm. before Diane Carroll cutter show and I just never forgot that episode. I mean, she's wonderful in many others, but uh, her and Spock going at it—it's just—it's delightful. Her uh,
1: performance is great, uh, you know, despite her amazing midriff. Um, performance, <laughs> not just but, but it, including, of course, <laughs> but,
3: including, please. Her
1: her banter with the evil Sulu is amazing, and she, yeah. uh, you know. You take a lot of risks, Lieutenant. And uh, she takes out the knife and says, "So do you, Mister. So do yeah. you." She's badass. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and she's terrified to go up there alone. Right. And and Kirk gives that great speech to her. You know the only one who could do it. Find out what our orders are. Such a great scene. And it really gives her a lot of agency. And it's just the whole thing is just terrific. And she's going into the lion's den. And then you know, that whole thing when, you know, uh Asulu in the mirror universe starts to come on to her and it's like, you know, is the captain here? Is Spock here? And you know, she's just like holding her own. It's great. Yeah.
3: I did a little little tribute to her on my facebook page today and one of the pictures that i chose was her with the knife nice yeah yeah That yeah.
0: that's that's, that's great, great. what about you david when you think of great uh horror moments what, what are some of the things that come to mind well well darren took mine but
2: but <laughs> but but i went first <laughs> there are two there are two runners up for original star trek that i think are really they're small but there, there's one where she's working underneath the communications console trying yeah. to mm-hmm. green hand that's holding the ship. And I think that's what I always loved about Star Trek is that everybody didn't just do their job. They were like, they knew a lot of stuff that this is yeah. a show about really smart, capable people. I, I always loved that. I loved her in there trying to ma- trying to do this thing that Spock's asking her to do. I just think it's great. I think another one, it's kind of, it's 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 the one good episode in a bad season. It's Tholian Webb. She 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 sees Kirk. She doesn't believe. She she thinks she's hallucinating. It's so emotional. You're so with her. And then that moment where McCoy says, "You're not dreaming. We all saw him." It's 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 a wonderful emotional moment by that by an actor. It's small, but it's 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 all her. She you you're you're really with her. And then. Um, uh, you know in uh in uh in captain zoom there's this sort of competition between these two uh religious people and you know uh uh she she has this this uh, line uh perhaps where she it's it's a, it's an innocuous line but she says well perhaps uh we weren't meant to think that i'm not giving you the exact line and this other woman accuses her of of all oh, in religious school, they just tell you to answer a question with a question, it makes you sound wise. And L- Nichelle gives this look that's just like burrowing into her. And it's really funny. And it's this really small moment, but it's all Nichelle. So those are my those are my favorite
0: moments. It's so funny when you mention her underneath the console because it makes me think of one of my favorite things, which I don't know if it's in the blooper reel or the Roddenberry vault, where she is singing. Cole Porter tunes while working on the uh, console. And it's just great. And you see, I mean, not that you doubt it, but, you know, she has such a great voice.
4: I'm sorry. I did it again, didn't
0: I? You know, you could see what a great performer she was. You know, if only she sang The Moon is a Stairway to Heaven. Um, But... uh, Window. A window, window, window—not a staircase. I, I, yeah. Uh, well, maybe it would have been better if
1: it had been a stairway to heaven. So uh, that scene of her working under the uh, under the console, though, is also a favorite of mine because it gives a really nice interplay between her and Spock. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, you know, she's saying how much trouble she's having to try and fix this, and it's almost impossible. And Spock just calmly says, "I can think of no one better qualified to do this, Miss Aurora.
2: And yeah. it's just
1: such a great, yeah. you know. He's still his uh, his logical self, but he can still compliment her, and it's really sweet.
0: Well, I love her in the trouble with Tribbles when she's sitting with uh, Chekhov at the bar, yeah. And they you know, and she defends Tribbles and Cyrano Jones. It's the only love money, you know, sure. can buy. And she's just really, you know, it's like you see her on shore leave, and she's just totally won over by these Tribbles, and. Yeah you know, it's nice to see her off-duty and not at the station with the little Bluetooth thing in her ear. And And, how
1: often do I get Shorleen? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, she's (laughs) great in that, and it's a really good performance. And then, you know, I've talked about this on the show before. The other scene I really like, you know, in an episode that a lot of people don't, is that scene in The Savage Curtain where um, Abraham Lincoln comes up and says, what a charming negress. And she says, you know, he says, oh, have I given offense? And she said, in the future, words don't you know, we, we don't fear words, yeah. you know, and she basically and, and then he, you know, she basically gives the shit back to Abraham Lincoln.
4: Excuse me, Captain Kirk. Yes, sir. Mr. Scott.
0: What a charming
3: negress. Oh, forgive me, my dear.
1: I know that in my time, some use that term as a description of property.
4: But why should I object to that term, sir? You see, in our century, we've learned not to fear words. May I present our communications officer, Lieutenant
3: Ahura. The foolishness of my century had me apologizing where no offense was given. We've each learned to be delighted with what we are.
0: And uh it's it's a it's a wonderful moment because it seems That's really like, subtle. It's really yeah, subtle. Yeah. You know, and it just it just says like, you know, say what you want. I know my worth, and you can't demean me. And uh I, I just think it's a you know it's a wonderful little moment plus it's with Abraham Lincoln yeah you know it's 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 so cool and then of course you know i think if anyone got the short end of the stick in the movies of the cast it's probably her you know we talked a lot about in star trek 3 she's the only one who doesn't get to go on the mission she does have a good scene right um when she's left behind but she doesn't really get to go with the guys Right. And that is very much the Boys Club I think of Harv Bennett and you know everyone because you know, in the motion picture she has good scenes, but she doesn't have a great you know the, the whole thing. it's like our tr- our chances of going on this mission just doubled surviving this right. you know, she has a couple of good lines, but again not she doesn't have like she's not essential, you know uh, to, to to any key scenes. and Star Trek 2, you know, finally Walter gets this big big you know big chance to shine. But, you know, there's nothing really great for her to do. And in Star Trek Six, the big moment for her is one of her worst, yeah. which is the idea that this incredibly capable and knowledgeable linguistics expert has to consult an encyclopedia, you know, or a dictionary and is a fumbling over trying to convince the Klingons that uh, the Enterprise is not what it is. Right.
2: Those are the moments I don't mind because she's funny. Um, of course, uh, of course. She's she's really funny, and that that Star Trek Three moment when the the guy she's working with, Mr. Venture, says your career is winding down, and she does this look up like right. that. It's again like when you see somebody who understands how to be funny without without trying to be funny. I I I always really appreciate that. She's great in it.
0: No, yeah. I mean, she's, she makes it look effortless. And I mean, even in episodes where I, I think are particularly good, like games, just a triskelion where she's given a little more to do. Yeah. You know, she's quite good in that. Yeah. You know, and it's also, she's not hitting people with flower pots over the head. Yeah, huh. you know, right. She's able to hold her own in right. a fight. Yeah. You know, which is which is why I know she took such pride in finally being given the con and being able to captain the Enterprise in the animated series. She would always talk about that—that right. that I finally, you know, was got command of the ship in, right. in the animated series. Right, that's uh, the Lorelei signal, I believe. In the <laughs> Lorelei signal, that's right, that's right. I mean, I love the fact that one of her first breakthrough roles was as you know Hazel Sharp, the centerfold of Orgy magazine, the Orgy <laughs> Maiden of the Month um which was you know of you know of parody of of playboy at the time in 1961 and uh, you know she was the star of that play which got a lot of attention and you know but it but it closed pretty quickly but she ended up you know befriending hugh hefner and for a little short time was a a a playboy bunny at the uh, chicago playboy club but um you know it wasn't long before she started appearing in you know, really, you know, great roles and shows. And of course she had done Porgy and Best with Brock Peters in nineteen fifty nine. So that was right. the first time she worked with Brock Peters. That's and then right. she would again many, many years later in Star Trek Four. Um other other great nichelle moments. I mean, what do you what do you guys think of her career outside of Star Trek? Obviously that Star Trek is what she's known for. But Darren, you said earlier Truck Turner, you know, which is a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh it's kind of shocking to see her in that role at the time. It's, you're like, you know, when I first saw it, I was like, well, who is running, who running
1: hoes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> but, uh, we really don't know if she did that on the show. She might have.
3: Well, we well was she was working with <laughs> Harry
0: Mudd. So, uh, <laughs> but you know. uh,
3: she's very colorful uh in the part. And, uh you know, it's, really far away from what you'd expected of her at the time uh so it it was actually a blast to see her in that
0: david it seems like also she really got animation and voiceovers because not only was she great in the animated series and unlike jimmy and majel was pretty good at doing multiple voices but you know she was in gargoyles she did a voice in the batman the animated series of course she did futurama for you it seemed like um yeah, she really, uh, you know, was great with the voiceovers. So she had a real well, facility for it. I think two
2: things going on there. I think that she was good. She's a good. She's got a great voice. And then you had all these nerds who grew up watching her in Star Trek, who suddenly had their own shows, and they her. <laughs> and so that's a that again, if she wasn't any good, she wouldn't have gotten the part. She was good, but you also had lots of real, you know, and that was. Uh, Brian Levant, who again, who executive produced Captain Zoom's film director and cast her as Cuba Gooding's mom in Snow Dogs, uh, right. and and he he did that after working with her on Captain Zoom. He realized, wow, this woman's really funny. She's still right. she's still really good, uh, and I think that's a really sad thing. I think that happens to a lot of actors who don't get that chance again because they're forgotten. And and one of the great things about Star Trek, Walter Walter Koenig said this to me directly that because of Star Trek I continue to work because it it stays in the consciousness and um I think that that it was somebody like Michelle who had actual a lot of actual talent uh that that uh, is one of the reasons she kept
1: working
0: yeah it's interesting how much talent a lot of them did have because you know, right. you see, you know, Walter in, in like Babylon 5 and other things. He's very good. You know, you right. see Michelle in other roles. She's very, you know, she's very good. Uh, George, right. you know, in Heroes and other shows was, you know, as was Michelle. And they're, they're very good. So when given a chance to shine, um, they do a really nice job. I always found it interesting that Michelle actually started out as the ho- highest paid of the um uh, uh ensemble. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she she was getting a $1,000 an episode, which was higher than D and Jimmy and oh. George. Eventually the studio caught on and uh they renegotiated her deal because of course um she she kind of was recurring. I mean, she really wasn't a 13 to yeah. 13, you know. Um uh and so they they reduced it to $140 a day, but in some I cases
1: I have no idea how that happened,
0: <laughs> no, whatsoever. but, um, but yeah, so it's, 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 it's very interesting. What do you think, you know, when people look back at her legacy, you know, what do you think people are going to say about, uh, about Michelle Darren?
3: I think they're going to say she was a pioneer. She was a groundbreaking figure. And, uh, People uh, debate whether or not her Kiss with Captain Kirk was the first one ever on television. Somebody was saying on social media today, well, this British show did it uh, four years before. But I'm like, you know, that's not America. Well,
0: nobody saw it. (laughs) It's not the one people remember.
3: No, it's not the one people would would remember. It didn't take place during the 60s with all of the upheaval that was taking place at that time. And uh, In a
1: time when stations would stop carrying the show because yeah. of such content. And Absolutely. interestingly, Absolutely. They, they didn't.
3: And uh, she had a lot of courage because the way she told me the story, you know, there was some last minute trepidation on uh, the part of, uh, of William Shatner and uh, other people, should we really do this? Right. And she was the person who was most likely to take the worst heat for it, you know and uh she convinced him to go ahead and do it and i think it was an important moment in television history and uh true is important when you have martin luther king contacting you and saying your role on television is important i mean it's it's hard to imagine something like that happening today you know she was a singular figure at an important moment in time so i think she's going to be remembered uh for that, obviously, for her, her performance and, and obviously for her beauty and everything, but I think she was just an important uh, figure in the 60s.
0: It's hard to imagine 50 only fifty years ago that something as a man with one skin color kissing a woman with another skin color would cause such an uproar yes. that it would be so controversial. It's crazy. It's absolutely insane. And so you, you think how screwed up the world is now, but at least you know, you, 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 you look, we, we have made some, some strides, you know, um, could but again, you know. I, you know, even, even though certain uh, of the
1: Southern stations were threatening to not carry the show, the main fear was coming from the network executives. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. And, and so I, I think a lot of that, uh, fear was, uh, sort of, uh, I hate to say, uh, uh, blown up a little bit by their reaction to it and their fear of something that may or may not happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but remember it, it was originally going to be Uhura kissing Spock, which, you know, could, could be argued that was sort of a, a less uh, inflammatory action because Spock was an alien. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, I think that it was, it was great. That, and remember, Roddenberry wasn't really involved in this season. It was Fred Freiberger. It was Fred Freiberger. So for all the flack that he gets, Fred Freiberger really, uh, really was able to sort of pull this out of the hat and and make it happen. Uh, and of course, let's uh, also um, you know spread it around to Shatner, who, who wasn't scared at all about it, and uh, and uh, and Nichelle, who was who was determined. That this should happen, and it was uh, a a great occurrence.
0: Because of course, the story that Bill tells, and there are a lot of apocryphal stories in the history of Star Trek, and divining the fact from the fiction is a full-time job. Uh, But um, you know, Bill tells the story that you know they wanted one for safety where he didn't kiss her, and and uh, that he intentionally screwed up that take so they had to use the one where he kisses her. So you know, everyone has a has a different story. I certainly hope and 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 personally believe that's the truth. <laughs> but um but uh I believe, you know, who knows? So screwed up a take. I believe
2: that. I believe that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's just look, uh everyone's known that Michelle has not been doing well for a while. It's one of the sad tragedies of of growing old um you know that she's been suffering from this 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 heinous awful Disease, dementia, um, which is just um, just a a very sad thing. But um, she, uh, you know, she will always be remembered. I mean, she has made such a mark, and the fact that that character continues to be reinvented for better or for ill is a testament to the impact that she had. I think that you know, certainly, you know, listening to Whoopi talk about the impact it had on her. And how that led to her wanting to do Star Trek, asking, well, begging why, to do Star Trek.
1: Well, not only that, but wa- urging her to go on and do what she did in her career before Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the the impact that uh, that uh, Michelle made by just being there, being in a a a role of uh, importance and equality on there. That uh, Whoopi said. Oh my god, she there's a black woman on there and she ain't no maid. That was that was her quote and you know just imagining the impact of that in a time where the representation was nil. So I think that was that Tremendous speaks so much so much to uh, the importance of Michelle and her character and uh and uh everything in that time period. Um yeah. And you know, the, let's let's readdress the the uh, you know the the famous story about uh, her meeting uh, uh, with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. It was uh, I how she tells it was it was at a, an NAACP gathering and uh, she was in attendance and uh, apparently one of uh, Dr. King's aides came to her and said, um, uh, "Mr. King would like Dr. King would like to meet you." And uh, she was very taken aback. She didn't know that uh, Dr. King even knew of her. Uh, but uh, uh, they, they met and uh, she was talking to him. And she was in a position where she was seriously thinking of, of quitting the show. Because of that, you know, hailing frequencies open every episode. Uh, she was getting tired of it. And, uh, of course, uh, Dr. King told her, you must not leave. Your presence there is speaking about the future. And your your just being there is making a statement that we could we couldn't possibly hit harder. So it, it it's really important. And now look, whether or not this story is apocryphal, whether it actually happened that way, because remember, Gene Roddenberry was telling the story that it happened to him. So I I, I Well, I
0: mean, she I, was telling I, I, that story as well until her autobiography came out. Right. But it's a wonderful story. It's and we, wonderful know, story. we know I Dr. King that. was a fan of Star Trek and believe that, whether he said it to her or not. Because Absolutely. we know that from Andrea Kindred, who Correct. was Gene Kuhn's um, uh, assistant and, right. and who knew Dr. King and knew Malcolm and knew Karenga. And yeah. uh, I'm so excited that we're going to see her in Vegas in a couple of weeks.
1: Absolutely.
0: And, and was also related to Nichelle. And has great Nichelle stories. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, David, what what do you what do you what do you think? Um, you know, in terms of of Uhura, this is a, a character you know that has been expanded upon in books and comic books, and is it because she's sort of a tabula rasa, you know, nobody's writing Lieutenant Palmer stories. So there's <laughs> something about Ohora that resonates with people.
2: Well, i I think that you get like you you get fortunate in television or in movies where they, you know where it's not just the character, it's the actor and that uh, you have she brought this character to life. whatever was written and you can talk about the those individual scenes in that first season that were kind of special the the Man trap scene and the and the the scene um where she sings and then later evil of her and all that. But she's memorable not just for those seats. She's right. memorable every minute she's on screen. And so you so she creates this character minute to minute for a viewer, and then in, in our imaginations when we're not watching the show. And so to me, you, you it's a perfect synchronicity of of the timing of her getting this part and the timing of what that show would become uh with you know just this this. I, I'm not a spiritual person, but you, you do start to believe in in godlike things when you see natural talent in people. And yeah. she had a natural uh, charisma and talent as an actress and a performer that brought that character and made that character memorable even in unmemorable, what would have normally been unmemorable scenes. And, yeah. and then she exists in our minds outside of the show. She becomes real. She made her real.
0: Well, and I also think that she... Um, showcased incredible competence. You know, that was something you always saw from Uhura. And I think the fact that later on the movie seized on like this relationship between Spock and Uhura was because they suggested all this stuff between the lines right. that people could pick up on. Right. And that's why the fan fiction, like right. J.J.'s films, um, are, you know, able to extrapolate on... um on this kind of stuff. But I have to say relevant to all of us who who were lucky enough to spend some time with the Nick Meyer has a great quote. He says, Hollywood is the one place where you get to shake hands with your dreams. And for all of you who got to work with this dream of an actor, Michelle Nichols, how special that has been. Very special.
2: Really, really, really something. This, I would never have imagined it.
0: Yeah. And, and no one will forget the great Michelle Nichols passed away July 30th at 89 years old, a very, very special woman, part of the DNA of Star Trek and its first lady. And, uh, she will definitely be missed. So thanks for joining us for a very special episode of trek experts We'll be back next Friday with an all new episode. Special thanks to Bill Ritter and, uh, Mark Rivera and special thanks for Darren and, um, and, and both Darren's, there are two of them. Mira, <laughs> Darren, and Darren, and Darren, and David for joining us on such such short notice so we could take a few minutes to tip our hats to um, the great Nichelle Nichols. So thank you, and keep on trekking, ingloriously, of course.
4: This is Nichelle Nichols, signing off. May you and yours live long and prosper.